Hello, barkeep. Howdy, stranger. What can I do you for? I'm here for a game of billiards. A game of billiards? Mm-hmm. All right, so just so there's no misunderstanding, we need to make sure... Okay. That, okay. All right, you know you're not actually going to be playing billiards, right? No, I know. This is code. Right, and it's code for... Recording a podcast. Right, exactly. So you're going to go up those stairs, go through uh-huh. that door, you're okay. going to ask for a guy named Strawberry Steve. Strawberry Steve, got it. That's who you want to talk to. Okay, great, perfect. Are his hands soft? It's a hell of a thing, killing a man. You take away all he's got, and all he's ever done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. What happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> What? What happened? There was a, like a huge pause. Oh, it must have been Skype. Um, I, I must have. Yeah, it's, it's been hanging up on you a little bit, too. So. Okay, well, let's try it again, uh, shall we? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie to see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, the movie's reputation is Masterpiece. <laughs> It's a good reputation. It's almost an unbeatable reputation. (laughs) It really is. We're talking about a movie that nearly, not quite, but almost ended an entire genre of film because (laughs) it was so goddamn good. Everyone looked at it and said, well, I guess we don't have anything to say anymore. Yeah. What movie is so good that it nearly destroyed all the entire Western genre of film? <laughs> what else could we be talking about but the 1992 classic Western, Unforgiven? That's right, Unforgiven. With all those Western-timey people in all the West where people shoot each other and they don't feel bad after, right, Steve? They go, <laughs> they kiss their honey and then the movie ends and this is, they ride off into the sunset, safe in the knowledge that all of the murders they committed were justified yeehaw right it's 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 like that but it's the opposite of all of that oh yeah so like a kurosawa samurai movie (laughs) (laughs) kind (laughs) of yay i'm forgiven hey steve Hey, Steve. Yeah? Do you have any yeah. old-timey, old-timey barbershop saloon-type uh, trivia for this movie? Well, I I mean, I have some old-timey trivia, yeah. Yay! Give it to me, partner. Okay, well, and I, I say it's old... sarsaparilla and eat this sucking candy. <laughs> I say it's old-timey because the first one involves Clint Eastwood's mother, and she was older than dirt. <laughs> she dated Lincoln. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the first piece of trivia is, of course, everybody remembers Clint Eastwood brought his mom with him to the Oscars that year. That's right. right. Um, so Clint Eastwood's mom was actually, she actually filmed a scene to be in the movie. Right. Um, yeah, she did. She was, she was in her 80s at the time, and mm-hmm. she was supposed to be an extra, and she was, she was supposed silky. to have a... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Would you like a free one? <laughs> I'll give you a free one as an advance on the payment. We'll teach those cowboys that they can't treat us like horses. <laughs> they got it coming for what they done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know no. it's silky in that sex scene at the very beginning of the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, can you imagine Clint Eastwood directing that? All right, bounce more. <laughs> Mom, get your legs higher. Don't be afraid to throw her around a bit. <laughs> She's a whore. Treat her like one. <laughs> anyway. Okay, anyway. 
<laughs> no, um, his mom, Ruth, was was going to be in the movie, she, and she filmed a scene where she spent an entire day in costume, which was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and she shot a scene where she's supposed to be boarding a train. And that scene was cut from the movie. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood explained to his mother when he told her that her scene had been cut, the movie was too long and something had to go. Which... I don't want to tell you that you're bad, <laughs> but you couldn't convincingly step on a train. <laughs> you mean you cut my 30-second scene? Yeah, that's right. We cut even cut a little bit uh, uh, off of each end of the scene because you were tainting my film. <laughs> you're terrible. <laughs> I'm going to take you to the Oscars, but I'm not going to sit with you. Your performance was an infection that was destroying my movie. <laughs> needed to be lanced like a boil in the boil. <laughs> I don't feel good. Go so lay I'll down. Take, I'll take you to the Oscars with me. Oh, you're so sure you're going to get an Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> this time I made a movie so good the Jews won't be able to deny me. Jesus, where did that come from? I'm sorry. Yikes. We know that Hollywood is filled with sex perverts. <laughs> the sex perverts won't be able to keep me away from Oscar this time. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. That's all you got? No, I got to know. The- did, did, did you know that the boots that Clint Eastwood wears in this movie are a pair of boots that he also wore on Rawhide. You're kidding. That's Yeah, which is, of course, for people who don't know, Rawhide is the TV series that made Clint Eastwood a star back in the early 60s. That's right. And apparently, I didn't actually know this until I was doing research for my trivia for this show, but yeah, apparently the boots that he wears in Unforgiven are a pair of boots that he wore as Rowdy Yates on on, uh, on Rawhide. He's been holding on to a pair of boots for that long? (laughs) I guess so, yes. Time to bring out the rawhide boots i hope it wasn't a situation like they were there they were on set and they're like well we're having some problems finding boots that'll fit you clint he says just a moment and he goes off to his trailer and comes back will these do you're like what (laughs) this says rawhide written on the inside yeah you just have them with you of course (laughs) i like to think that every time he has read a script that is a western he like he he reads the script and then like he has the boots up on a shelf in his office and he looks up at the boots and he and then he thinks a second and he goes no and he doesn't wear the boots and then finally he reads the script for unforgiven and he's like okay yeah i'll wear the boots and he takes the boots Mm -hmm. this script is boot worthy (laughs) (laughs) all right what's next we got. Uh, well, speaking, we have parental abuse and weird boots. What's the, what's the next thing? <laughs> speaking of the script for Unforgiven, it's it's yes. a, a pretty well known story that it was actually knocking around Hollywood for about twenty years before the movie finally sure. got made. Um, like almost every good movie. That's true. It happens a lot. Many mm-hmm. people, many, and of course the the script passed through many hands over those years, and a lot of the people sure. who who read the script considered it great, considered it one of the best scripts that they'd ever read. However, right. it took a few few years before Clint Eastwood actually saw the script because mm-hmm. the script was given to his script reader and his script reader read it first and told Clint not to worry about it because it wasn't very good. Now they got I, fired, right? They I hope fired. so. I, I couldn't find if they got fired or not, but can you imagine someone reading this script and saying to Clint Eastwood, nah, you don't want to do this one. This one's not very good. Like, are you this kidding me? This one's terrible. 
Um, I know he had the script for about 10 years. He had it for a while, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but it had been sort of knocking around for even longer than that. Um, because by the time he made it, he's like, this is the last one. This is the last yeah. Western that I'm going to make. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't realize he was saying, this is the last Western Hollywood will make. <laughs> yeah, this is the last Western. <laughs> This, this is the capstone of the entire genre. Right. Um, okay, and one last thing. Speaking of, of the script, um, before it was titled Unforgiven, the script had a couple of other titles. Originally, sure. it was, originally it was called The William Money Killings, and it was also at one point titled The Cut Up Whore Killings. Yeah, I um, remember that. Both of which... It, it was also called William Money's Funky Weekend. <laughs> that, I, that, that one might have worked, I think. Um <laughs> But no, it was called. So uh, I think both of those would have been excellent titles. But um, if they had called it the Cut Up Whore Killings, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have won any Oscars. Because, no, because they would have to say it over and over again. Well, because as much as I'm sure he would have liked to, there's no way the Academy <laughs> was going to let Jack Nicholson go on TV, open an envelope, smile, and say, and the Oscar goes to the Cut Up Whore Killings. <laughs> Because, you know, that wasn't really something that Hollywood really wanted to be associated with, despite the fact that their underbelly is just a, a bunch of crawling naked maggots trying to fuck each other. Exactly, but it's the underbelly. <laughs> you, you keep it hidden. You don't show people the maggots. You don't want anybody to see that. <laughs> I know, it's one thing to acknowledge it. It's quite another thing to allude to it. So, is that it? Is that all your trivia? That's that all, all my trivia. Can I do my part now? You, where you talk about the people in it? Yeah, where I yeah. talk about the people. Yeah. Hooray! Let's talk about who made this. Star? It, it, okay, so it was directed by Clint Eastwood. You know who he is. Don't make me do it. I won't do it. I won't. If you don't know who Clint Eastwood is, type his name into Google, and if you then don't recognize his face, walk into the ocean. Because I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> It's written by David Webb Peoples. And he's written a couple of things, you know, Blade Runner, Mm -hmm. 12 Monkeys, Mm -hmm. some other movie I can't remember. I don't remember what the other movie is, and I don't care, really. I wrote down what's important. Aren't those enough, really? That's enough. Produced by Clint Eastwood, again. uh, Starring Clint Eastwood as William Money. Gene Hackman. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Means every this is a stacked cast, everybody. Oh, <laughs> the boy. first three names you're like, What? <laughs> this is one movie? Gene Hackman as Sheriff Little Bill Daggett. I don't have to tell you. I think I have dreamily talked about Gene Hackman enough on this fucking podcast for you guys at least know kinda who he is. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. <laughs> this is a joke cast, yeah, right? Like... Exactly. <laughs> No, 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 no. Come on. Seriously? Morgan Freeman is Ned Logan. You know who he is. I don't need to go further than that. Fuck, Richard Harris. Yep. <laughs> they just threw him in there. They said, and sure, why not? his last good performance. Yeah. Where it didn't seem like people were <laughs> pushing his near-dead corpse in front of a camera. <laughs> just say wizardy things, Richard. <laughs> just say wizardy things. We're going to dub your voiceover. (laughs) Hello. This is Richard Harris with some life in him. Yeah. Putting in a good goddamn performance. Why not kill the president? Oh, my God. (laughs) (sighs) And now the nobodies. Uh, James Wolvet as the Schofield kid. He did a lot of TV. Did some movies. Nothing notable. 
Saul Rubinick is W.W. Beauchamp, and you know him from TV. Like that one episode of The Next Generation where he he, he kidnaps Data because he's a yeah. weird collector guy. <laughs> and provokes Data into becoming a murderer. That's right. But he was also in Nixon and True Romance and Wall Street. I'm sure the minute you saw him, you go, oh, that guy. Exactly. There's a lot of, oh, that guy's in this. <laughs> Francis yep. Fisher is stra- as Strawberry Alice, and you know, from TV. And you know her from Titanic. And she was in that Watchmen series. You know her. She's good. Anna mm-hmm. Thomas is Delilah Fitzgerald. And she was in Heaven's Gate and Bad Boys and The Crow. David Mucci is Quick Mike. Nothing. Rob Campbell is David Bunting. Nothing. Anthony James is Skinny Dubois. TV. Oh boy, a lot of TV. Yep. Tara Don Frederick is Little Sue. Nothing. Beverly Elliott as Silky. A lot. Nothing really notable, but a lot. A lot of TV, a lot of movies. And Lisa Repo Martell as Faith. Nothing. The majority of this cast is. Canadian. Yeah, because they filmed it in Canada. In Canada. That's right. Because they're the only ones that have open spaces left. Um, or at least picturesque ones. And like, <laughs> oh, well, we found a place in Nebraska. Okay, great. But the fracking is, you know, turned the, the ground black and there's dead cows everywhere and there's nothing but a blood red sky. That could be cinematic. Well, but it rains blood and acid and we didn't really want to have to deal with that. Can we please go to Canada where you can still breathe the air? Okay, fine. Cinematography by Jack N. Green, and he's done a lot of Clint Eastwood movies, like Bird. What are you giggling at? Don't giggle. This is my serious part. I'm being serious. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm be- go, please. I don't even want to feel like doing it anymore. <laughs> Cinematography by Jack Green. Then he did Bird, and he's done, like, Twister, that epic. Oh, boy. And Girl Interrupted. Remember that movie? Yes, I do. That was yeah. That was the super serious movie about girls in mental hospitals, right? <laughs> it shined a light on a very important social issue. Did it? I, I don't think it did, but maybe. Okay, yeah, I don't think so either. Edited by Joel Cox. Eastwood Films. Pick one. He edited it. Music by Lenny Nyhaus. Eastwood Films. Not all of them, but a lot of them. You know, he met Lenny Nyhaus. You know when he met him? Uh, when? 1952, when they were both going into, the, when they were both in the army. Oh, wow. No kidding. Clayton Eastwood's very old, guys. He's 91. He's, he's 91 now, and he's still making a movie. His corpse will be making a movie after he died. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, production company, Malpaso Productions. It's Clint Eastwood's production company, established in 1967. Still going strong, just makes his movies. I don't think they produced any other movies for other people. Uh, distributed by Warner Brothers, release date August 7th, 1992. Running time, 131 minutes. Budget, $14.4 million. Box office, $159.2 million, Guaranteeing that it'll be no- nominated in the Oscars. If it had only made eight million we'd probably be the only two people talking about it right now because that's how the oscars work <laughs> exactly steve you ready oh boy am i ready you ready to 
hop onto a horse and, and go out into the plains and I don't I guess <laughs> not fight Indians because that's bad if we don't do that anymore um maybe uh I don't know um fight the bad bad guy oh there's no bad guys in this one oh, okay <laughs> are we fighting the, the the good guys is that what we're doing <laughs> I don't. I don't know anymore. What what side am I on? Who am I here? <laughs> <sighs> you ready to run into the world of unforgiven? If I can get on this damn horse. <laughs> okay, Steve, <laughs> take it away. Ah, oh boy. I hope. I hope you don't mind, but I would like to read the opening title card in its entirety. Please. Okay, so the first thing we see is this gorgeous silhouette shot of like a farm against a, a red sky. And on one side of the frame, up scrolls this title card. Mm-hmm. She was a comely young woman and not without prospects. Therefore, it was heartbreaking to her mother that she would enter into marriage with William Money, a known thief and murderer, a man of notoriously vicious and intemperate disposition. When she died, it was not at his hands, as her mother might have suspected, but of smallpox. That was 1878. And right away, you kind of get the feeling you're just going to love this movie, right? <laughs> and what do, what do we see in the background of that crawl? Uh, we see a figure... William Money. Of, William vi- Money digging a grave. Yeah, digging a grave. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, this beautiful orange and black, you know, silhouetted against yeah. the setting sun. Just a, just a bare um, suggestion of a soundtrack. Yeah, right? yeah. Someone fucking around on a guitar. Exactly. wonder how sad I can make this guitar sound. Well, that's pretty sad. That's <laughs> pretty fucking sad. Cut to Big Whiskey, Wyoming, 1880. Yeah. It's got a mud street. <laughs> yep, and, and oh, I hear the sounds of somebody doing some whoring. Mm-hmm. But in the next room, there's the sounds of cowboys being real cowboys (laughs) oh my god yes so yeah so so young davy is enjoying some time with one of the ladies of the night when Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he hears his partner quick mike say davy come a running lad and so davy runs over to the next room to see what quick mike is on about and uh uh-oh mike what have you done well, he, he's been insulted. He's been insulted, and he has he has uh, taken his knife and he has cut up the face of the prostitute. Not yet. That he, was he starts oh, doing it. Oh, that's right. That's right. He yeah. He's but he's he 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 There's, wants Davy to hold her. Yeah, because yeah. she's trying to run away from him, saying right. no, and he's trying to grab her. Yeah. And uh, Davy's like no, and uh, other prostitutes run in and they say no, but he starts cutting her up on yeah. the face. Yeah. Until what's his name, Skinny? Yeah, Skinny comes, comes in with in. a gun. Great line here. What does he say? He says, uh, this is a very pointed line. that We've just seen this very violent scene with this guy. And he said, it's time for you to leave, cowboy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movie makes its point subtly and not so subtly. And the subtle <laughs> point here is, hey, here's what cowboys are like. <laughs> <laughs> cowboys suck. Just in case nobody knows that. Cowboys really but suck. in keeping with this movie, not across the board. That's true. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. There is there is no such thing as a flat character in this movie. So the prostitutes are all gathered in Delilah's room, and they're patching her up, right? Right. And then we find out that Bill is coming over. Yeah. Because someone, someone got Bill, and Bill's sh- going to show up. Yeah. The two boys are down in the saloon, tied up. And uh, Strawberry Alice comes down there, and Skinny's down there. 
there, and some of uh, Little Bill's boys are down now. Now, but Little Bill is played by Gene Hackman, and I guess he's the sheriff, huh? He sure is. <clears throat> and he's like, "Okay, who did what and where? Okay, great. Uh, let's fit him into the one o'clock bull whipping, and let's just get this <laughs> over with." And Strawberry Alice is like, "That's it. You're just gonna whip him." And he's like, "Oh, you know what? You're right. Hey, um, <laughs> since Skinny lost some money on a prostitute, you're gonna deliver Skinny some horses." And she's like, "They're not even gonna get whipped now." <laughs> <laughs> and then he does he does this great thing that actually is you think you think maybe he's doing one thing, but he's actually doing another. He's letting us know like what kind of a man he is. Um, mm-hmm. And what kind of what the subtle little double standards that kind of govern little Bill's life, because he turns it around on Strawberry Alice, because when she says, like, you ain't even going to whip them for what they done. And he pulls her aside and he says, haven't you seen enough blood for one night? Mm-hmm. And at first, you may, it makes it seem like, oh, little Bill's like that kind of guy, like he wants to avoid violence as po- mm-hmm. if possible. And it turns out, no, that's not the kind of guy he is at all. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. No, he's a sack. Of, he's a sack of shit. Yeah. Oh, he's a sadistic at this yeah. point in his, in his life, it seems like all he really wants is kind of like peace, like yeah. tranquil, tranquility, anything. He'll do anything to settle this situation down. And what will settle this situation down is, oh, okay, fine. I, prostitutes are not people in this movie. Guess what? They weren't in the Old West either. Right, yeah. <laughs> I know you've seen plenty of Westerns. Not a whole lot of them had quote-unquote prostitutes. They always had what, Steve? Oh... Dance hall girls. That's right. Saloon, yeah. yeah. Or saloon girls. Like, like, uh, uh, what's her name? K- uh, Kitty in Gunsmoke. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kitty in Gunsmoke. Yeah. What does Kitty do for a living? Shh. Shut, uh, up, shut up. Shut up. She <laughs> works. She works at the saloon. <laughs> exactly. And what does she do at the saloon? She uh, serves drinks. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me any more questions. Just about shut it. up. Okay. Why are you asking about Kitty? Shut Everybody up. Shut up. <laughs> Next morning, so the, now all the prost- now all of the prostitutes are pissed off. Oh yeah, and they're like, they can't get away with this. This isn't right. Poor, poor, poor Delilah. Her whole face has been cut off. We've stitched it back on, but she's a monster. No. <laughs> Nobody can no even bear to look, to look upon her. That's right. She's awful. So I know. Let's hump as many people as we can, and we'll put together on a, a reward. And we'll just hire someone to come and kill those cowboys. And no one stops and says, that's bad. That's not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) This could have unintended consequences. (laughs) That's right. What if it turns out that we unintentionally poke a monster awake that has been voluntarily (laughs) sleeping? (laughs) What are the odds that's going to (laughs) happen? What if what if the ghost of the real American West wakes up in the middle of our town? <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Nah. That's not going to happen. Cut to pig farming. Oh boy, the entry the entry of our hero falling in the mud while chasing some pigs. You see William Money chasing pigs around. He's got a couple of young youngins. He's trying to get the pigs separated cuz they got the flu or something. They got the fever. And this jerk kid rides up, and he's like, you're that guy that killed those people. <laughs> he's like, not in front of my kids, Jesus. Dude, shut up. <laughs> no, no, I heard it good. You killed them with a bowie knife. You split them open. You lived inside their corpses. You ate someone's brain once. You kids go inside. 
I heard you killed someone with a dog by uh, throwing the dog. I don't know how you did that. He was, he was, okay, so I put a cavalry sword through him and then threw it. It was really the cavalry sword that killed him. What do you want from me? Hey. Meanwhile, the kids are like, Daddy? Uh, it was one of my favorite lines of the movie. The, the little girl turns to her brother and says, Did Pa used to kill folks? <laughs> Anyway, he he agrees to talk oh. to this kid whose name is Kid. Yeah, I can't remember. We, yeah, the the, Sco, the Schofield kid is the only name we ever get for him. Yeah, and he's like, I heard from a dude who talked to another dude who said something about something else that um, you used to be a notorious killer. And he's like, Yeah, well, not anymore. <laughs> I don't kill people. Okay. Now I'm a my farmer. Wife, my wife fixed me of that. She sucked out all my demons and it killed her after she squirted out two youngins, okay? That's the metaphor here. She did God's work, got me to stop being the monster man, and then and then died on me and left me here with pigs and children. Didn't have to raise it. Don't. He says, well, I heard that there's a like a, a cut-up a prostitute that is given away. Well, what? here's the best part of this. Because so much of this movie is about mythology. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> it's a commentary on how we've mythologized um, the Old West. But we also tend to forget that the Old West was mythologizing itself in time. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Because what he says is, yeah, we heard that there's this this whore that got cut up and they cut off her face and they cut off her hands and her fingers and her boobs and cut her eyes cut out, her, yeah, cut her butt cheeks. Then they went and did the same to her parents and her grandparents <laughs> and they dug up the corpses of her ancestors and burned them. Anyway, if you're interested in that, why don't you come with me? Thousand dollar reward. Go, I'm not interested. So, well, I'm heading south. If you get, yeah, and there's a thousand dollar reward, and I'll split it with you if you if you come with me. And he's like, I'm not interested, right? Right. And then he goes outside, and a pig shits on him, and another one kicks him in the face. <laughs> and, and he's he like, hmm. his kid. <laughs> he looks at his kids, and he's like, Hey, kids, daddy's leaving for a little while. You can take care of yourselves, right? And one kid is like, I'm nine, and the little girl is like. What do you mean? What does leave mean? You've never <laughs> left here. I love how he tells him. Well, first he we, we get the scene where he he tra- he's practicing shooting and he can't hit anything. Yeah, he can't hit um, a damn thing. And but they, he decides he's going to leave anyway, so he's getting on his horse and he has trouble getting on his horse because it's a plow because horse. Because the now. horse the horse has become a plow horse. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been ridden in ten years or something? And he, he he has a nice explanation for his kids where he says, you know, this old horse is getting even with me because I was so cruel to animals in my youth. He's trying to teach him like life lessons yeah right um but i love how sinful he would yeah he's he's leaving he doesn't know when he'll be back he'll be gone for possibly weeks he's leaving his very very young children at home by themselves and his advice to them his advice to the older brother is you watch his instructions he, he says you look after your sister and oh if anything goes wrong you just walk like 10 miles or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck it is to the next house yeah. and ask Sally Two Trees for help. <laughs> That's right. That's the advice. That's what you did. What else is he going to do? They're, like We live in a shack in the middle of nowhere. He's like, keep them hogs separated. Kill yourself some chickens if you need something to eat. Yeah. And if anything goes horribly wrong, crawl more than likely <laughs> 10 miles to Sally Two Trees. She won't know what to do because she's never had children, but at least you won't die alone. All right, bye-bye. Hey, see you later, kids. 
And where does he go he, immediately? Well, he goes actually to Sally Tutri's house, uh, which is also Ned's house, his old his old partner from the old days, Ned Logan, uh, Morgan Freeman. Um, but first, but first, but first, we're back in we're back in. Oh uh, yes, Ricky. that's right. Because now it's time. It's it's payday. It's time for the cowboys to bring in the ponies. Yeah, they bring in the ponies. They give them a skinny, and skinny's like, yeah, ponies. Yeah, give me the ponies. But the guy who didn't do any of the hurting and actually tried to stop it, yeah, um, he has a pony just for Delilah. Yeah, he's trying and to make say, amends. Yeah, he's trying to make amends, and they're like, "What did, what is she going to do with the pony? Her face is cut up." And he didn't stop and say, "What does one have to do with t'other, ma'am?" Uh, I mean, anybody can ride a horse if they want, and she could still sell it, and maybe she could, I don't know, see a doctor about. You heard what I said. <laughs> Because what we have learned is is that this is not just about Delilah. This is about all of them. About how they're right. treated. Right, yes. Absolutely. Like is what she says. Yeah. We need to teach them that we, we you know, we may be whores, but we, we don't need to be treated like, like horses. Cut back to the house. That's when we have the shooting scene, and that's when uh, he stops by his wife's grave, and he said, oh, look, I'm going to go do this killing, but it's justified because they did some bad things. I know that you voluntarily sacrificed yourself to my demons in order to make me be good, but I swear to God, I'm only doing this for the money and everything's going to be fine. That's when he tells his kids about, you know, if anything goes wrong, just kill yourselves. I left a length of rope inside the house. Do it. Do it quick if you can. All right. Bye-bye. And... Then we cut back to the whorehouse. Skinny is trying to get them to admit how much money they've been saving and what they're going to do. Right, because he's because star- I think people have started to show up asking about it, and Skinny's getting nervous because yeah. because they're they're telling their customers, "Hey, let the word out. We got money yeah. for them to kill these two boys." So Skinny goes over to Little Bill. What's Little Bill doing? Little Bill's building himself a house. That's right. And you're like, oh, well, this is different. <laughs> I thought maybe he's the bad bad guy or or not the bad guy. I'm not sure. Bad guys need houses too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But he's like, well, I gotta tell you, the prostitutes are saving up money so they can hire a couple of guy, a couple of assassins. And he's like, ooh, I don't like that. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no sir. And then Clint Eastwood arrives at Mar- at Ned's house, yeah. played by no- Mar- uh, Morgan Freeman, and he's like, hey Ned. I'm going to go do this killing. Remember when we used to do that? And he's like, yeah. And he said, yeah, there's a prostitute and they cut her all up and and they threw the pieces into space. And, <laughs> and, and there's Satan worshipers and they eat babies and they got to be killed and we're going to go do it. And do you want to split the money with me? And he's like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And he goes, bye, I think, wife. Are they married? Are they supposed uh, to be yeah, married? They're ma- yeah, that, yeah, Sally is his wife, yeah. Okay. He's a bad husband. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> he, he kind of, they all are, really. I mean. <laughs> not William Money. Well, that's true. Now that his wife is dead, he seems like an awesome husband. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now that she's dead. <laughs> I wish I hadn't played William Tell with her. <laughs> it was an accident uh, for the last time. It was an accident. We're both high on bug spray. Oh, no, I'm thinking a naked lunch. Never mind. <laughs> uh, then we cut to campfire, and Ned and him are talking about old times. Like, you know, that time he blew someone's teeth out of the back of their head. 
And we get the indication for another time that he was, when he was younger and he was doing all of these killings, he was drunk. He was drunk, yeah. And that he has he has a great deal of, of shame about it now. Yeah. Yeah. And it also sounds like bullshit. Yeah. I think he believes that it was all because he was drunk. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong, it could have contributed it. It could have contributed to it, but it also comes off as... A, an excuse. He's very forward about what he did. He's not trying to hide technically who he was. He no. never denies when someone says you did this, right? No, never. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm sad and I'm old and I'm going to sleep. Good night. Cut to a train. Yeah. Who do we meet on the train? We meet English Bob. Played by Richard Harris. Played by Richard Harris. And this is this this the events of this movie take place very shortly after the shooting of President James Garfield. Yeah. Um, Who's famous for being shot. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he's antagonizing people. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's saying, you know, what you Americans need to do, because English Bob is English, as may mm-hmm. as you may have guessed from his name. Uh, he says, what you Americans need to do is is just pick a king or a queen, because people aren't so quick to assassinate royalty. And you know, mm-hmm. they'll shoot a president. I mean, who gives a fuck about a president? But you know, they won't just. Uh, nobody will just shoot a king or a queen. Um, and the the Americans on the on the uh, train are take uh, some offense at this. Well, one guy in particular. One guy in particular does. And English Bob doesn't really seem to care. Um, No. In fact, he suggests that they go outside uh, on one of the cars while the train is moving (laughs) Mm -hmm. and have a pheasant shoot. Who is he traveling with? He's traveling with uh, W.W. Beauchamp, who is his Mm -hmm. dime novel biographer. Yeah. Yes. His hack writer biographer. Yes, totally. They go out, they shoot some quails. That's about it. He wins. He wins, yeah. And he says, uh, he says, no doubt your aim was affected by your grief over your president. <laughs> <laughs> he arrives into town, and as they're taking the wagon up to the town, he sees the sign that says, no guns. Yep. They ignore it. Yeah, he keeps have, his we guns. Then we cut to a scene. We cut to a scene in the sheriff's office where all they're all getting ready to go and intercept him. They talk a little bit about Bill, about how he's never been afraid. That Bill's not afraid of anybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we cut to the inside of the where <laughs> English Bob has just gotten a shave and a haircut. He's and, gotten brushed down. And he's still talking. Mm-hmm. He's talking to the barber now about. Yeah. The, and I love that. Uh, ba- apparently, English Bob has a tight five about why. <laughs> why kings and queens are better than presidents and he just uses it on everybody he meets (laughs) Mm -hmm. he does because he's a jerk (laughs) anyway he's been telling he's been telling bochamp all of these stories right yes bullshit yeah they step outside he everyone has guns drawn on him um the writer says i'm just a writer and he reaches into his bag and they all click their things and then he pees his pants he does and then bill comes up and apparently bill and english bob know each other pretty good don't they yeah uh they have a a little back and forth where um english bob says uh little bill i thought you were dead and bill says i thought i was dead too turns out it's only i was in nebraska <laughs> yep Anyway, they come up, and he asks him, do I have any guns? He says, no. He says, what about that gun there? He goes, oh, yeah, this one. And he's about to walk away, and he says, what about that other gun? And he goes, oh, but I need this It's one. my favorite says, gun, dude. Mm-hmm. Then he asks him, hey, you still, what is the line? Uh, you're talking about you're the still... queen again on Independence Day? <laughs> on Independence Day, and punches him and starts beating him down the street. Oh, boy. He gives him a Sonny Corleone beating. 
Mm-hmm. Because unless you didn't know, Bob's there to collect the reward. Yeah. He's going to kill those He's going to kill those cowboys and he's going to take the whore's gold, which is what they're calling it now, the whore's gold. And so he gets beaten up. Cut back to the cut back to Ned and, and William Money, and they start getting shot at by the fucking nearsighted <laughs> Schofield kid who's totally lying about not being able to see anything. Ned, as they start first they negotiate back and forth about money mm-hmm. because he's like, I didn't agree to this and, and he says, Okay, fine and then they're both gonna leave and he said, Wait, we're both gonna leave? And he's like, Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll we'll split it three ways. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And as they're riding along, Ned rides up to the Schofield kid and he says, Hey, do you see that dinosaur over there? And the kid, Schofield kid's like, Yeah, of course I see that dinosaur. Big as life. And he's like, Dinosaurs have been extinct for 65 million years, kid. You tricked me. <laughs> Turns out he can't see very good. No. And he's a little he, sensitive about it. He just a little, he draws on Ned. <laughs> Cut back to the jailhouse, and little Bill is reading the book that uh, that uh, Beauchamp had written about English Bob. About English Bob called. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's called the Duke of Death, but everybody right. everybody hilariously mispronounces it as the Duck of Death. Duck, I says. The Duke. Duck, I says. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he keeps answering questions and he starts correcting him yeah. about the stories that he's been told, you know. And um, basically, the writer starts to realize that Little Bill is a more interesting character. Yes. Because he feels like he's getting the honest-to-God truth from from Little Bill about what it was like back in back in the beginning of the opening of, you know, basically the Old West. Because yeah. the one thing that most Westerns get wrong is that like the Old West was like a period of... I don't know, 500 years in American history, and that's not the case. It no. was only like 20. It was like a 20-year period where there was lawlessness and stuff like that. And this is taking place at the end of that. Trains are here now. Law is, com- law is coming in. Everything's going to get civilized pretty soon. These guys, Lil Bill, English Bob, um, William Money, they're older guys. Mm-hmm. They're old, older guys, and they're remembering things from their past back when lawlessness was the rule. And all of them were sons of bitches. Yeah. Every single one of them. So we get to a point where Lil Bill gives a gun to the writer. Yeah, to prove a point. <laughs> to prove a point about how, to prove a point. About how it's how not hard easy. it is it's, to shoot someone. Right. Yeah. And he gives the gun to the writer, and he says, go ahead, and point it at me. And he said, see, can't do it. And then the writer gets cocky, and he says, what if I give it to Bob? And God damn it, I love Gene Hackman Oh, so it's much. such a great... <laughs> give it to him. Just nonchalantly give it to him. And even the writer second guesses it. He's like, I don't think so. And he said, give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> and he holds the gun up to the bars of the jail cell. Richard Harris looks like he's about to grab it, but then he decides not to. Little Bill walks over, takes the guns out of the bullet, and Richard Harris is like, good. Because it's obviously it's obvious that he thought the gun wasn't loaded. Right. right? Turns out it was. Turns out Little Bill's a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he. And we also see that, like, you know, even though throughout the movie, especially when he's talking with Beauchamp, Bill Mm -hmm. seems to be a guy who cares about things like honor and, you know, but he's also a guy who clearly just tried to give a loaded weapon to a prisoner so he would have an excuse to kill him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then we cut to the guys. They say goodnight night around a campfire. Talk more about uh, William Money's past. 
got back to Bill, and he's talking with the writer who's now writing down these stories. Oh, this is the scene where he says, give him the gun, blah, blah, blah. Um, then it's raining. Oh, boy, yeah. Because <laughs> Dean Hackman ends that scene by looking out going, boy, we could use some rain. Cut to rain. <laughs> You're going to get some. Mm-hmm. And it's raining, and Bill catches, I think uh, this is when William Money catches a cold because he refuses to drink any whiskey. Yeah. Because he refuses to drink. Yeah. Cut back to the town where they <laughs> load English Bob back into a carriage to go back to the train with his guns that are all bent up and f- <laughs> up and he yells at everyone as he's leaving and and he yells at them in a cockney accent which right, is not the refined accent he usually speaks with yeah that he was usually talking in before because he's nothing but lies yes exactly right he's still a murderer but he is also he's been building himself up as some sort of old westy hero yeah right in the book, he's supposedly defending some woman's honor. And Bill's like, he wasn't defending the honor. The guy came after him because he fucked his girlfriend. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was drunk and jealous. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's raining again. It's nighttime. We're in, in little Bill's house. And it uh, turns out little Bill is not a really good house builder, is he? No, it's the, the roof is a little leaky. Mm-hmm. Just a little. Meanwhile, Lil' Bill is trying to explain to him about gunfighting and all this other bullshit. And the guys show up in town with guns. Uh Uh-oh. And uh, the kid goes up to talk to the horse about the reward. He's slow and coming down. I wonder why it's taking him so long. What could he possibly be up there doing? I don't know. I don't know either. But Ned's going to go up, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go up, and if I can fuck somebody, I'm going to... Do you want to... Never mind. I'm just going to go and cheat on my wife, because I admitted to it. Because (laughs) this is... Here's the thing. We kind of skipped over this. They were talking, and Ned and William Money were talking back and forth about... Hey, when you were married, did you ever do you ever go into town and fuck a prostitute? He's like, no. <laughs> he's like, so do you, do you jerk off? I mean, and he doesn't even. Let's just change that. the subject. There are some things that men do, and sure, I do it. Are you judging me? <laughs> when I do, I think about my wife, and then oh, I cry when it's God. done. There, you happy? Well, I guess that's good. <laughs> So they leave him. He tries to get him to drink again. He refuses to drink. He's shivering because he has a fever. Yeah. And that's when someone went and got Bill and told him guys with guns had showed up. And when Little Bill first approaches him, he seems genuinely friendly. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. Trying to be understanding. But then he asks him if he has a gun. He says no. Then they find the gun. And what does Little Bill do? He he gives him the English Bob treatment. That's right. He starts (laughs) beating him up. And um, meanwhile, Ned and uh, the kid escape out the back door. Yeah. He comes in. He's angry at the prostitutes. And he's like, what happened to those other boys? They're like, they ran away when they saw you beating up his friends. They weren't assassins. I'm lying. They're not assassins. Well, there's there, 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 there's ride. a really there's a really good exchange there where um, mm-hmm. because Strawberry Alice says you know uh, denying about them being there to get the reward, um, mm-hmm. she says, uh, Bill, you just kicked the shit out of an innocent man, and yeah. and Bill looks at her and says, innocent, innocent of what? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, they hide out in a barn. Yeah. Um, and this is when William Money has a, a heartbreaking scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where he's talking about how he keeps see he saw the angel of death. He saw his wife. And Ned's like, well, that's good. That's good. Her face was covered with worms. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Oh, never that's mind. That's bad. Yeah. I saw my kids. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> 
They were hacking at each other with knives. <laughs> they were eating the pieces that were falling off. A great serpent, mouth dripping with blood, then decapitated both of them. Well, that's that. That's bad. <laughs> I was the snake. Oh, okay. okay just try to get some sleep, so, okay, man. Just just try to just. Can you pass out again? Can you pass out? He's like, the the thing that's heartbreaking is yeah. he believes he's dying. He's telling him he's dying. Yeah. He's like, I'm dying, Ned, and I'm afraid to die. And then he says, Ned, promise me you won't tell the kids, my kids, the things I do. Yeah, yeah. Oof. And it's like, oh, Jesus. And then thankfully he passes out. Yeah. Schofield kids like said, he's going to die. He doesn't get a part of the reward if he dies. I'm not paying a dead man any money. <laughs> Ned's like, Jesus, kid, will you give it a rest for 10 seconds? Shut the God, fuck God up. God damn it. Jesus. <laughs> And so uh, he wakes up. It snowed. Yeah. That was unplanned, by the way. That snow. They're up in Alaska, and they didn't anticipate that there was going to be snow. They just, it snowed, and they said, fuck it. We'll just keep filling. It's, it's beautiful outside. But he's Works being for tended me. to by, by Delilah. That's right. And he's like, oh, I'm alive. And she's like, yep. And he said, I must look like you. And she's like, what? Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> no, I mean, like, cut up and all. I mean... Very mannish. I'm a very mannish woman. Wait, this came out wrong. Wait, I'm going to pretend to pass out again. Let's just rewind and try again. (laughs) We're going to rewind. Let's rewind. Oh, hello. Jesus Christ. What did they do to your face? (laughs) Oh, fuck. I'm going to take another run at it. Hang on. All right. Never mind. Never mind. I'm I'm William. How are you? (laughs) Anyway, he goes outside. He's hungry because he's been out for three days. Uh, what's his name and what's his fucker out scouting for the bar T boys? Yeah. You know, the cowboys that cut her up. She's like talking to him. He's talking to her. She's like, you know, they've taken advances. And he's like, what's that? Well, you know, freebies. And he's like, what free what? Uh, am I paying for this food I'm eating? No, 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 you don't get it. <laughs> um, they're, they're, you know, having, having sex with us and we take some money out of the reward. Why? Oh. <laughs> oh. I still don't um, get it. You know, I could put a cowboy hat and be a man if that's what you like. No, no, that's not what I like. Because you, you, me and you can do it. And he's like, ugh. And she's like, I didn't mean me. <laughs> because I know my cut up face and everything. It's nothing personal, but you look like a Marvel Comics villain. She really doesn't. She has some little cuts on her face. Yeah, she, really she doesn't does really it. look And that he doesn't bad. do this yeah. either. I'm doing, I'm destroying. No. This is one of the sweetest scenes in the movie, um, to be it quite is. honest. It really he's is. Trying yeah. to, he's, he's not only is he sparing his, her feelings, but I think he's telling her the truth. Yeah. That he'd oh, yeah. be like, yeah, if I was going to get a freebie from anybody, I think I'd like prefer it from you. Because you got a big rack, and I like it that way. <laughs> Stuffed up top. <laughs> Anyway, that's Clint talking. That's Clint talking, not uh, anyway, not William Money. I can't because my wife's at home watching over my little ones. Right. And he should have ended that sentence with "from heaven." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have saved a lot of problems. Well, just one little problem. Okay, yeah, she has. Yeah, she, she never has. really loses faith. She never really loses faith in him. No, right? no. You can tell by that the, the last shot of her that she doesn't. But she still thinks he's sweet. Yeah. Right. And she understands. She under she gets it. She's not being rejected because she's ugly. Everyone keeps telling her how ugly she is. She ain't. There was a part of me the first time I watched this. I'm like, oh, he's gonna take her away, and they're gonna be a family. I didn't realize up to that point that this wasn't that kind of movie. No. So, 
Anyway, <laughs> then we cut to, you know, Davy getting shot. <sighs> They're coming around a canyon. He gets, well, the horse gets shot and falls on him and busts his leg. Yeah. We cut to the three of them, William, Ned, and the kid, are up in this, like, pretend they're up high. They have the high ground. And <laughs> um, the kid's really anxious. He wants this guy oh, dead. Oh, boy. He's like, a, right? he's like a little boy who's drunk too much Kool-Aid. He's, like, bouncing around. Exactly. Did you get him? Did you get him? Did you get him? Is he dead? Is he dead? Did you get him? Did his brains, brains go all over the place? <laughs> Ned's aiming to shoot him as he's crawling because he's trying to crawl to cover. Um, and Ned can't do it. No. He can't do it. He gives the, he gives the rifle to... Uh, to William and William shoots at him a couple of times and then he finally gets him this is a great this is again another great scene yeah oh my god yes um he finally plugs him gets him in the gut Davey's made it to cover but he's now shot in the gut and he's dying and uh he's like I'm I'm thirsty could someone please bring me some water and Clint Eastwood shouts down there bring him some water god damn it (laughs) (laughs) we ain't gonna shoot we ain't gonna shoot they bring him water Davey's dead you can hear them screaming you bastards you killed Davey it is not a triumphant scene no. we also know that Davey was the nicer of the two and did not deserve to die yep um, and we feel bad <laughs> yeah exactly for everybody yeah it's there's for... there's there's no it's not cool it's not uh, you know it's not like an, an awesome action scene it's a lingering mm-hmm. sad death mm-hmm yeah. And so, um, as what happened next? Uh, is this when Ned decides oh, to Ned leave? Ned leaves. Yeah. Ned says, I can't do this. And he says, okay, go on, go south. We'll catch up to you. Right. Right. We'll catch up to you. After we you kill the on, other one. Away. We'll kill the other one, then After we'll catch up to you. Yeah. The kid's a little bit like, I ain't giving him any money. He didn't do nothing. He's like, shut up. And they go, okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> Someone runs well to to little Bill as he's building his uh, building his house, and they say, "Hey, Bill, someone shot Davy," and he's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> and they convene a meeting where they're going to say, "Hey, we're going to round." He's deputizing people. They're going to form a posse. They're going to go after these guys, right? That's yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, up in the up in the whorehouse, the girls are gathered in one room. This is when uh, Strawberry Alice, because she she said, "I kind of like William Money." He talks about his wife and kids, and she's like, "That man's a liar. He doesn't have any wife and kids." Because I know everything. <laughs> and then someone says, "Did you know a brick's coming through your window?" And a brick comes through a window, yeah. and she screams out, "They had it covered!" So things are getting bad. Yeah. William Money and him scope out the Barty bunkhouse, right? Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Wild Bill and everyone's going to ride off, but what's up to happen? What happened, Steve? Well, uh, someone rides into town and tells Bill, we got one of them. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, not too long after that, we see him riding into town, and they've got Ned with his hands tied, riding in on a horse. So they, they caught, uh, they caught Ned as he, was, as he was on his way home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, while they're waiting outside to get a chance to shoot, uh, what's his name? Quick Mike. Yeah, Quick Mike. Uh, Little Bill is torturing Ned for information. Yeah, yeah. By whooping him. Yep. Back at the bar tea, Quick Mike goes out to the potty. Uh, The Schofield kid kills him by shooting him three Mm. times. Yep. And uh, they go out to uh, the most cinematic tree in the area. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, wait for one of the girls to come up to give them their payment, right? Yep. And... uh, Schofield kid has an existential crisis. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, he's not this doing too well with ag- the killing. Yeah. Again, one of the, one of the greatest scenes ever. Oh, it is so goddamn good. <laughs> 
and has great lines from him. And he's like, keep drinking, kid. Take another drink. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're like, okay, she's going to oh. deliver the money. Everything's going to be fine. She's going to deliver the money. Everything is going to be fine. And she's like, here's your money. Sorry about your friend. <laughs> Who's dead? And he gets up and he goes, no, God. He has to say it a couple of times because he doesn't believe it. Yeah. Well, he keeps saying nobody killed Ned. Like, nobody she's, killed Ned. And he's repeating she, what she's saying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if anybody has been paying attention up to this point, the minute he picks up that goddamn bottle and takes a drink out of it, you should go, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. You should go, holy shit. And what's great about this scene, and I don't care if it's not part of our review time, is that scene, when he picks up, it isn't, so in any other movie, in any other fucking Western, if they had set it up that drinking was what set him off, right? It would mm-hmm. have been a scene of door opens, light hits bottle, hand grabs oh, yeah. bottle, and there's the musical sting as they as he drinks, right? In this yeah. one, it's he starts drinking as she's talking because she's getting upset because she knows what happened ned ned was tortured to death and he's saying things like that didn't matter much to little bill did it because <laughs> he's already setting things in his fucking head as he's drinking and yeah. he turns to and she tells her to write off and he's like turns to the kid and says give me your schofield and he's like what why and he's like give me your <laughs> <laughs> just give me it and he's like here you can keep it i'm not like you i'm not a killer and and the the storm's coming in along with him. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells he tells the kid right off go get those glasses be yeah. wary of strangers on 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 the road cuz people are going to be looking to hang you and he rides off and then he rides into town he sees Ned in a coffin propped up outside of uh, outside of the saloon yep. inside uh, they're all whooping and hollering cuz they're getting ready to ride down William Money right because as far as little Bill is concerned, he's probably run off, right? Right. He hasn't run off, has he? <laughs> no, no. He's standing right there with a shotgun. He asks who owns this shithole. <laughs> <laughs> and Skinny, like an idiot, steps right up. He says, I do. I bought it from him for $1,000. The funny story was is that he was my second cousin. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> Shut up, I don't need to hear it. But the longer I talk, the longer I'm going to be alive. <laughs> Let's start Boom. with the birth of my grandfather. Nope. He shoots him. He shoots him. And uh, Little Bill calls him a coward. And he says, okay, he's only got one shot left in that shotgun. When he kills me, I want you all to draw your weapons and blow him away. And Bill's being like either suicidal or very, very brave because yeah. um, he does, because he's playing that trick where he's trying to dare the guy. He doesn't understand what he is. He Bill does not understand who the Clint Eastwood character is. He does no, he not. thinks he's, yeah, he thinks he can back him down like he did like the he, writer. The, and he it's did not going to work. Or just like everybody yeah. else, when it comes right down to it, it's really hard for someone to kill someone. That's not the case for, for, uh, for William Money, and he has a gut full of whiskey and revenge on his mind yeah there's nothing gonna stop him from doing no it. he's gonna he's gonna do the killing he came to do <laughs> uh anyway he he dry fires yeah he made the the shotgun misfires and he says misfire uh, you know low bill says misfire and he uh says kill him william money throws the shotgun at little bill then shoots him then shoots i don't know five other guys four other guys yeah him. five other guys five other guys and then he says anybody else here who wants to stay alive get out <laughs> 
everybody leaves except who? Except for the writer. Except for the writer. And the writer who is still this guy who loves building myths and all this other stuff. He starts talking to him about who he killed and in what order. And, you know, know, little Bill says this and little Bill says that. And he ends the (laughs) conversation. William Money ends the conversation with, I don't know who who was first, but I do know who's going to be last. (laughs) (laughs) The writer pees his pants again and runs out. Yeah. But Bill is waking up. Yeah. And while while he's been talking with the writer, William has he has reclaimed Ned's rifle and he's loading Ned's rifle. Yeah, the Schofield. Yeah. Oh no, not the Schofield. I can't remember. The uh, I can't can't remember what it's called. The the Springfield. The Springfield. And he's drinking. He's drinking whiskey. Yeah. Um, He hears little Bill click his his revolver and he walks over and steps down onto his wrist. He's got him dead bang. He's aiming the rifle directly at little Bill's face. Little Bill says, I don't deserve this. I was building a house. And uh, what does Clint Eastwood say? He says, deserves got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Little Bill says, I'll see you in hell, William Money. And he doesn't have a, what does he say? He says, yep. He just says, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he shoots him. And he shoots him. He comes out, ducks behind the door, and he says, all right, I'm coming out. If I see anybody on the street, I'm shooting them. If anyone takes a shot at me, I'm going to kill you and your family, and I'm going to burn down your house, salt the land, go back to the (laughs) East Coast, kill your grandparents. I'm going to make them watch as I kill each one of them. (laughs) So don't do it. He comes out. There are shots of people who have drawn their gun, and they're aiming it at him. One of the deputies, actually, who's still alive. And he can't take the shot. He can't take the shot. He's like, he tries to hand it to another guy, and he's like, I'm not a deputy. (laughs) The other guy's like, fuck you. I'm not doing it. (laughs) He gets on his old, broken-down, pale horse. Uh And he says, you guys are going to bury Ned Wright, and you're not going to cut up no more horse. Oh, no, if I hear of anyone cutting up any horse, I'm going to come back here, and I'm going to kill you all. (laughs) (laughs) I'll kill every one of you sons of bitches. Oh, that's right, every single one of you sons (laughs) of bitches. I'll come back and kill every single one of you sons of bitches. And he doesn't race off. He just rides out regular trot, not like he's in a hurry or fucking anything nope um, and you Delilah. mentioned you mentioned that yeah. you mentioned at the beginning you know like oh is this the kind of movie where at the end they ride off into the sunset he kind literally of. rides off into the darkness in the rain yeah yeah it could yeah. not be more different than the typical western ending mm-hmm. cut back to the shot that we opened with except yeah. it's different you see uh, you can see william money standing there you can see that he's standing at the grave of his wife we don't know if this is after he was done burying her or if this is him having returned from having done this yeah but what does the closing crawl say steve the closing crawl says some years later miss ansonia feathers made the arduous journey to hodgman county to visit the last resting place of her only daughter William Money had long since disappeared with the children. Some said to San Francisco, where it was rumored he prospered in dry goods. And there was nothing on the marker to explain to Mrs. Feathers why her only daughter had married a known thief and murderer, a man of notoriously vicious and intemperate disposition. And then just when you finished reading that title card, the image of William Money by the grave and the clothes that are drying on the clothesline fade away. Fade out, and And it's an abandoned farmstead. Yep. The end. And that's the end. Mm-hmm. So this isn't going to take long, guys. <laughs> because I think we've pretty much told you we love this movie. But Steve, <sighs> your thoughts on this <laughs> Western that should have ended all Westerns? Unforgiven. I mean... Like, we quoted a lot of memorable lines from the movie just going through it just now. Sure. 
we didn't even get to half of them. No. Like, I mean, it's and it's better than that. The movie, it's a the movie is a brilliant film from top to bottom. But even if all you're interested in is just like quotable lines, right? Most movies that are like that are famous, that are remembered, like there might be one or two memorable lines. This movie is almost nothing but uh-huh. mem. Like the dialogue is so good, and there are so many lines, like. You know that that last that that whole last scene where he rides into town and takes his revenge. That's a short film in and of itself. Yes, I've killed women and I, children. Oh my God! I've killed just about everything that's crawled on this. <laughs> what is it yeah. crawled on the earth? Yeah, and I'm here to kill you, little Bill, <laughs> for what you did to Ned. Mm-hmm. But you did to my friend. Um, that's more. That's oh my more God! Well, he says. He says. Uh, when he says, you know, you're you sir are a cowardly son of a bitch. You just shot an unarmed man. And he says, well, <laughs> he, he should have armed, armed himself, himself. <laughs> if he's gonna if he's gonna decorate his saloon with my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just you know, I was lucky in the order, but I've always been lucky when it comes to killing folks. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it, it, when I finished watching the movie last night for this, the first thing I wanted to do was watch it again. Yep. I mean, this is one of those movies where, like, I, I could watch this movie every day and mm-hmm. never get tired of it. And and every time I watch it, and I have seen this movie dozens of times, yeah. every time I watch it, I notice things that I somehow missed before. And this time, the thing I noticed that I never noticed before was after he shoots the after after he he shoots you know the little bill and the and the five deputies mm-hmm. in the saloon he's bluffing for the rest of that scene because he's out yeah he's, he doesn't, his gun is empty he doesn't reload his pistol no he reloads um, so, the, the um yeah the springfield un, un, until he gets the rifle and loads the rifle from i mean he's bluffing everybody he mm-hmm. clears out those he's anybody who doesn't want to get shot better clear on out the back he's bluffing and everybody goes because they're like fuck i'm not fucking with him um and mm-hmm. i never noticed that before but i noticed this time but anyway um so and there's like you know there's we could do a 10-part series just on this movie um yeah. and talk about everything about every it. theme um, <laughs> oh my yeah and and every aspect of it the cinematography the editing the music the acting mm-hmm. which is extraordinary um what a fucking genius eastwood is as a director here clint wasn't fucking around with this movie oh my god he yeah well i mean and you know he said at the time he he considered it his his crowning statement on mm-hmm. western like every everything i've always wanted to say in a western and it definitely plays that way yeah um but so but i want to focus my review on the writing because you know there's just so much we could we could talk and talk and talk all day about it yeah um it's one of the best screenplays ever produced. It's a masterpiece. It it exemplifies everything you were ever taught in screenwriting class, but it does it in a way that never feels formulaic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's plot is classically structured and so simple and so elegant. And I mean the you know, the 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 first scene is the inciting incident, the the, the mm-hmm. cutting of Delilah. And and everything flows from that. But it's not just a plot device, because as the movie goes on, we get to know every important character in involved in the event. And everybody who is in that room in the beginning mm-hmm. when when he cuts Delilah, we get to know Delilah, we get to know Strawberry Alice, Skinny, mm-hmm. Quick Mike, and Davy. Um, so they're not just plot devices, like they're people. And and none of them are main characters no. that's the amazing thing about it, is it everybody in that room we get to know something about them so we can see them as something other than just a flat plot device none of them is a main character um 
Quick Mike is an asshole and yeah. he deserves what he and he deserves what he gets. <laughs> but we still but we still see the fear in his eyes before the kid shoots him. Yep. And we see how traumatic killing him is for the kid, even though he had it coming. Um, his death is still treated as we a tragic event. Kid. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. Um, and then we talked during the synopsis. Like Davy seems to genuinely regret what happened. Yes, he because um, he didn't have a hand in it. He didn't actually do anything to Delilah, and 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 he tries to make amends. And and his death, the death of the more innocent of the two, is the sadder of the two. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and and he is, and, and I love look look at how the how it matches up. At who kills who? Davy, the more innocent one, is killed by Money, who is the most guilty of the heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Mike, who is the cowboy who actually did the cutting, is killed by the kid, who is the most innocent of the heroes. Yeah. The, the one who's who 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 has a big mouth and talks a lot, but has never actually killed anybody. He's all bravado. And, He's all shown. Yeah, and as soon as he does kill Quick Mike, he realizes he doesn't want to do that. Yeah, you know, that's not the person he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the, of of the heroes, the only one who dies is Ned, and he's the one who doesn't kill anybody. It's weird movie. that you keep using um, the word hero because there aren't any in this movie. Yeah, they're yeah hero in the formal sense. I mean, sure. they're not they, they they don't act heroically, but hero in the sense the protagonists, I guess, would be a better way to say it. Mm. Um, I love Strawberry Alice. She yeah. has oh, she only has a few scenes, but Frances Fisher gives her such courage and ferocity. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned it. We we mentioned it briefly, but that scene where after they kill uh, Davy and then they throw the rock through the window she and she, out, yeah. I mean, she does not hesitate for a second. She does not cower for a. She runs right up to the window and screams, "He had it coming!" Yep. I mean, it's just she's an amazing character. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way uh, no character is flat, no character is one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, English Bob is revealed to be a complete phony yeah. whose legend has been greatly exaggerated by his biographer. Except but for he, his his uh, his propel- uh, propensity to kill people. Yeah, exactly. It could, and and little, little Bill says, even after Little Bill tells Beauchamp the real story of what happened in the thing he wrote about in his book, he still says, you know, old Bob is a dangerous man. He says, there's very few people around who are genuinely dangerous like English Bob. So even though Bob is a phony, he's also still a murderer and a, and a dangerous guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and the, uh, maybe the best example in the entire movie is little Bill himself, mm-hmm. who, who we see can be a genuine badass. Oh yeah. Who I mean is a very for he you know he's not just a lot of talk and blustery. He's no. a genuinely formidable, scary, impressive, imposing guy. And former and, murderer. Or, or and a, he continues to be a murderer. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, vicious, sadistic, and he has a lot more self awareness than other characters in the film. But he is still oblivious to his own shortcomings. Um, oh sure. And you know, and the big one there that we just talked about is he thinks he can back down money at the end mm-hmm. um and and he can't you know and he also has a blind spot for what a good carpenter he is <laughs> because obviously <laughs> when, he's not when the writer makes that joke maybe you should hang oh, the man. carpenter and he's like what <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so it, it, all the characters are there, there, and, and and William Money, you know, who sincerely tries to be a better person, who sincerely wants to leave his past behind him, mm-hmm. um, who seems at the beginning of the movie seems to have found some redemption. Um, and has lived as a good man for many years, and yet he still has it within himself to be this absolutely unstoppable killer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my favorite Clint Eastwood character. Yeah, uh, I, and I like I cannot imagine. I know this the script floated around Hollywood for a while, and it was offered to other actors. But it really is impossible to imagine anyone else yeah. as yeah. William Money. Um, I mean, he's it, it, it asks that question. He's like the man with no name. But what if the man with no name got old? You know, what happens to the man with no name after he gets old? Except he's what, blondie. Money, he's blondie. Yeah, if, if exactly. Yeah. Except except money in his youth seems to have been even worse. Oh, uh, I mean, a lot worse. Because like because because Blondie in the Dollars trilogy was not like a stone cold murderer. Mm-mm. Like he was a badass and he mm-hmm. killed people when he had to and didn't seem too upset about it. But he mm-hmm. wasn't like he wasn't vicious and brutal and didn't go out looking to kill people like apparently Money was when he was younger. Right. Um, so and and so and we've seen we've seen this question asked before about other fictional characters who were like great who did great exploits in their youth like what happens when they get old right um, there's Robin and Marion for Robin Hood there's uh, his last bow for Sherlock Holmes uh, mm-hmm. the Dark Knight Returns for Batman um, John Wayne did it a couple of times late in his career with mm-hmm. True Grit and the Shootist but none of those characters are as haunted as William Money is. Um, none of them are as ashamed of what they did and no. money wants money wants to run from that mm-hmm. like he doesn't deny it like you say he, he never denies that he did those things that he did but he wants to not be that person yeah A- and and he tells people I've changed oh it, 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 that's and not yeah, me anymore he even gets a little testy with Ned because Ned brings up a story like mm-hmm. not the first time but the second or third time when they're talking about the old days and Ned says you know like well I remember the kid said you killed two sheriffs but I remember there was three sheriffs and and he's like I ain't like that no more Ned mm-hmm. you know like he's getting kind of sick of he's talking about it he's getting kind of testy because in his mind's eye he doesn't want to be reminded you know he does no. not want to be reminded of all the ghosts that haunt him no um, if I can interject here this is Please. actually a rumination on the three different ways that people are dealing with a violent traumatic past primarily two different ways there's a reason why little bill and william money both technically have the same first name yeah okay little bill or william (laughs) (laughs) and william money little bill is the guy who yeah he had a violent past but he can talk about it and laugh about it he can joke around about that's in his past he's now a good reformed guy he has forgiven himself if he ever felt that he need forgiveness for the shit that he used to do in his past he's now a sheriff he's building his own house he's now the law of the land but deep down he's the same person that he was back then he's just Mm -hmm. given himself the freedom of not having to carry that guilt around whereas William Money is the opposite he's no longer that he likes to believe that he's no longer that guy because his wife came in and reformed him quit him quit him from drinking but deep down he's still that guy and yeah both of them are living falsely there's a reason why the movie is called unforgiven because <laughs> they're not they have not forgiven them well he has not forgiven himself and probably never will more than like he'll never forgive himself for the past that he led right 
Yeah. Um, I always thought it was interesting that he took these two characters and he managed to show two different ways that people will continue on with their lives. It's like two guys returning home from war. One guy will be able to tell these horrific horror stories about what happened during the war and laugh about it and drink or do whatever. And other guys, they, they come home haunted by yeah. what they did. And that's present in this film. So I, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it, you were, you were, it dovetails right with where I was going. I mean, um, money is a tragic character and little bill really isn't um no, i mean no, he i i think he a little bill does have a point when he's laying there about to get shot and he says i don't i mean there's a pathos there when he says i don't deserve this i was building a house mm-hmm. because even though little bill is a even though we we've seen what a bastard he is by this mm-hmm. point and we've we've established that he's killed ned by this point we've seen him brutally beat people mm-hmm. um you know but at the same time it's like he's laying on the floor of a saloon and he's about to be executed He's about to get shot right in the face. He, yeah, mm. and and it's, so when he says you, it, you can feel for him in that moment. You know, when he says, you know, I don't deserve this, and then when he says, you know, I'll see you in hell, William Money. Like there's, you're not completely against him. Yeah, but um, the movie is. The movie's well, like, the, oh yeah, you do. We all deserve well, well, this. <laughs> and the thing, well, yeah, everybody deserves. But the thing that makes the thing that makes money a tragic hero, and and Bill isn't as tragic, is that money tries really, really hard to change. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he finds himself in this situation where where he he sort of has to face the fact that being a killer is the one thing in his life that he was ever really good at. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to be that. No. But that's but that's who he is, mm-hmm. you know, and and he has to face it. And then we get that last scene when he rides into town and his his wrath falls with the weight of myth i mean oh, yeah. it is just like it is it's it's a stunning scene um and it is it is thrilling but it's also devastating because he has fallen at that point like yeah it's a great scene it's like one of the greatest scenes from any western from any movie period but you watch that scene with the knowledge that this is the thing this is the one thing this guy did not want to do Mm -hmm. and now he has been pushed into a point where it's the only thing he can do well the movie Um, does something that's that's extraordinary yeah okay so we've been following william money we know how much guilt and loss he's carrying with him right yeah. How much shame he carries for the murders that he's done. And yet, the minute he puts that bottle of whiskey to his lips, you're like, yes, kill everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that scene is awesome. Yeah, the scene yeah. is awesome. But you realize this is a defeat for this character. He yeah. is going back for revenge. And the, the whole point of the movie is that you cannot pay debts blood for blood. You cannot do that. All it does is escalate. They basically say it in the film. You cannot keep escalating blood for blood, right? But there's a part of you that feel that, that desire to have him go in and kill all those people. So all of a sudden, you're instantaneously in William Money's shoes. Yeah. But if you're thinking out loud, you're like, I shouldn't feel good about this. I no. should not feel good about this. The movie has made it very clear that I shouldn't. That what he's going to do now is going to be awful. Not just for the people that he's going to kill, but for the character itself, himself. Mm, yeah. It's a fantastic movie just for that. Yeah. Because yeah. you hit that point and you're like, oh shit, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you made me want this, but I'm not <laughs> supposed to want this. <laughs> And that's okay. Keep going. I yeah, I, yeah. It's. I mean, I'll just wrap up by saying um, it's the best Clint Eastwood film ever made. Mm-hmm. 
it's one of the best westerns ever made maybe the best western ever maybe made the best, yeah. um yeah i i don't think there's been a better western made since nope. and and it's been 30 years so mm-hmm. um, and and really i mean honestly the only western i've seen made since this movie came out that's even come close is the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is very similar to this movie in a lot of ways. Sure. And and is also a masterpiece, but it ain't this good. <laughs> I mean, um, Unforgiven is, it's it's damn near perfect. I, I, I All the times I've seen it since I was, you know, 14 years old when it, when I saw it the first time, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I would not change a frame. I would not change a line. Nope. It is, it is just a perfect object or damn near a perfect object if ever there was one in a movie. And mm-hmm. I mean... 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, whatever scale you want to use. It's mm-hmm. it's as good as it gets. So, I mean, right. highest highest possible recommendation for mm-hmm. me. Um, uh, well, surprise, surprise, I love the movie. And I think <laughs> one of the things that I love about it, because we could be going on about theming and all this other stuff, and I have to pick one part that I really, really appreciate, because we'd, like Steve said, we'll be here talking about it forever, especially if we pull it apart theme by theme, right? Yeah. But the overriding theme that I, I think I appreciate the most is they're t- they're, this movie is talking about mythology. And it's not just talking about the mythologized West that we have currently. It's the mythology that is being created right then and there in that time period. We see it in the writer who is embellishing all of the stories that that English Bob is telling him, you know, making mm-hmm. him into this this kind of you know honor you know honor bound. Uh, uh, I wanted to say pugilist. That's wrong. Gun gunslinger, right? <laughs> in which he is he's readily writing down all of these stories that English. Bob is fucking making up or at least changing to the point to make them interesting right and we're getting the same thing with with little Bill little Bill is telling stories from his past about when things were great blah 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 and he's telling them with humor maybe because it's the only way he can cope with his past right all of the stories he's telling he's always laughing and giggling about right like yeah. he's reminiscing some great stories but he's mythologizing even his own past when the prostitutes say we're gonna hire assassins just the term assassins is funny right? yeah yeah but they think they're going to get some honored bound stranger who's gonna come in kill these two boys and leave the, the even the, the the reasons why they want him are kind of fucked up because only one of the guys really cut her up and when we do see her and her quote-unquote scars her scars haven't even healed yet we don't even know what she will look like once her cuts have fully healed right now they're these red marks but once they're gone they might next spring they'll say hey you can hardly tell that you got cut up but it was about the nate it was what that attack symbolized for them the last straw for the type the types of people they are they get no respect from anybody in probably in in town or outside of town you can't imagine them going around socializing in town because they're prostitutes right but they have this idea we're gonna hire someone and then he's gonna come And kill these people. And the whole thing is, here is a world that is actively mythologizing the Old West, right? The Old West with gunslingers and all this stuff. And what they don't understand is that the real Old West is coming for them in the form of William Money. Yeah. And William Money doesn't even realize that the Old West, the reality (laughs) of the Old West, is coming to this town. Because they think it's something else. And it ain't. It's ugly violence that's coming and it builds and it builds and it builds and little bill being excited about forming a posse and being able to run run these scallywags down and we're gonna you know 
because he's doing it for justice or whatever. And I'm deputizing people. And the whole town, everybody, <laughs> little Bill doesn't understand. Even when he's dying, when he says that line, I don't deserve this, I'm building a house. That's what he convinced himself of. Yeah. I don't deserve this, I'm building a house, I'm normal. I don't I don't pursue this life anymore. Deserves got nothing to do with it. The Old West came back. Your past has come back to haunt you, and you were not prepared for what it was, which was violence. Pure and simple. Pitiless, remorseless violence. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And when the town sees it, they don't know what to do. They become us. We're just stuck there, staring at it, going, oh, okay, I'm surprised William Money didn't burn the fucking town down. (laughs) But when he gets on his horse and he says, I don't want to hear of anyone cutting up no whores, or I will come back and kill every single one of you sons of bitches, everyone believes it because they had not experienced this type of malevolence in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why he doesn't have to charge off out of town. He just kind of trots out on his broke-down horse and disappears like the angel of death that he was. (laughs) Because that's what he became. And that's like, if there was a big theme, that's the one, that's like the overriding theme, that's the one that I like. The one is, you forget your fucking past, it can come back to bite you in the ass. And in this case, they manage it so that it's everybody. William Money, Ned, the kid who has these kind of romanticized ideas by the way he's boasting about how many guys he killed and all this other stuff yeah. when in fact he's never killed a single fucking person you know little bill who's romanticizing the the past in his own way um English Bob, the writer. I mean, the writer doesn't understand what he's courting after the shootout until he gets directly threatened. Yeah. Because he's still treating these people like he's treating William Money like he's going to boast, like he's going to start romanticizing. And true to form, instead of romanticizing, he points his gun at him. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But we're lucky William didn't just say, fuck all (laughs) y'all. Because he would have burned the you know burned the town down, killed yeah. all the cattle, you know, probably put everybody on pikes and leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this shit went bad. But he is the past coming back to say, "Stop it!" You know, what are we romanticizing? And this is one of the reasons why why westerns after this point, we didn't get another one for a good long damn time. Because mm-hmm. how can you make a western after this movie said this is romanticized bullshit? Everything that you've been watching up to this point has been, even the spaghetti westerns, the Leone, the Leone westerns, have been romanticized bullshit. Granted, they were grittier, dirtier, and the people weren't necessarily good or bad, but the truth of the matter is, everybody was bad. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was awful, and people were treated horribly. And then how do you go back to making another western after that with good guy shows up and he's going to kill all the bad guys because that's what he does. And I mean, like Tombstone came out before this, right? No, Tombstone came out after. Did it really? Yeah, Tombstone came out a year later, I think. Yeah. Ballsy. There there were actually <laughs> some westerns that came out after this. Like there was a little bit of a revival of the genre, but I mean... Of the ones that came out right in the immediate wake of Unforgiven, Tombstone Mm -hmm. is the only one that is still remembered. And it's remembered in a very different way. Yeah, it is remembered in a much different way. Um, But the whole... 
But the whole thing, it changes your view of a Western. Yeah. It really does. This is a movie with, with no heroes, no true villains. Everybody's kind of shitty, but not necessarily. Davey is probably the nicest guy out of the bunch. Yeah. Right? And Delilah, Delilah gets swept up in something that was done to her, but she didn't ask for any of this to happen. Right? No. She didn't ask no. for the prostitutes to, to, to do it. She didn't... Um, she wasn't demanding revenge for what occurred. Granted, I agree with Clint Eastwood. We all have a coming, kid. That's the truest statement in the entire in yep. the entire goddamn in the entire goddamn movie. So, yes, see it for the cinematography. Yes, see it for its subdued soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Watch it for the performances, the writing. You'll find nine themes at some point. <laughs> You'll be like, <laughs> "Which theme is this now?" But they all move together in in a cohesive story that ends satisfactorily. But you shouldn't feel good about it. The satisfaction is, yeah, he killed the shit out of those guys that killed Ned. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you shouldn't necessarily make it feel like it's a victory for the character. No. Well, like, now, like you said, it's not It's not a triumph. True to form, yeah. he gets away with it. He rides home, mm-hmm. collects his kids, probably does go off to San Francisco, and makes it clean, you know, probably lives a nice retirement after, you know, successful dry goods. Kids probably turn the lawyer, daughter marries well, 1906 comes, kills all of them. I don't know. But... <laughs> The whole point is... We don't is, talk about that part. There's no God judging anybody here. Things happen. Mm-hmm. He just happened to kill all the people that would go after him and scared the piss out of everybody that was left in the town that they don't <laughs> want to tell them what happened. If, you know, federal marshal comes up and goes, so what happened here? We don't know. They just kind of they kind of fell down one day and, and, and died. I don't know. Um, that's it. Don't ask me any more questions, please. <laughs> please don't make me tell. Please don't make me tell. And he's just, just fuck it. Give me your gun. <laughs> What's going on? He just saved you a whole lot of trouble, young sir. <laughs> now, if you don't excuse, if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to throw myself down the mine shaft. Later, you ain't making me talk. <laughs> so it's 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 great. It's so good. I am so yeah. glad to have seen a really good movie. Um, after a long time, I've been very <laughs> meh about a lot of movies. Like, yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. okay. It's all right. It's okay. I've watched this movie, I don't know how many times. I really don't. It was one of the first movies I bought on DVD when DVDs came out. It was like, yeah, same here. I had it on VHS. Yep. Um, and uh, I've watched it I so many times. And just like you, I find different things. Mm-hmm. I notice different things in the writing. Um, I noticed different things in the framing. Um, you're right. This is Clint Eastwood's best performance, I think, in a movie. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because he's allowed to do so much more in the other movies than he usually does. Um, I love... And here's the thing. I think he's the only guy who could have made this movie. I think so, too. With I, yeah, it's, it's Well, because so much of the the sort of the, the, the meta-analysis of it... Is yeah. is rooted in like the fact that it is Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. the guy who Im- who in the '60s and the '70s was the embodiment of this modern Western archetype. He is the high plains drifter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's the good in the good, bad in the ugly. <laughs> he's Josie Wales. <laughs> Like, and, and he's, and, I mean, Josie Wales was a little bit of a revisionist Western too, but sure. I mean, you know, and it's probably his second best Western, but I mean, mm-hmm. uh, at least of the ones he, he starred in and directed, but I mean, yeah. like, 
Yeah, and it's Clint Eastwood, not just somebody, but Clint Eastwood playing mm-hmm. this character, directing this movie, and saying a lot of the image that was created by these mm-hmm. older movies, including yeah. ones that I was in, is bullshit. And he's also the only one that could have done it, because could you imagine someone trying to direct this script in 1970 with John Wayne? Oh, my God. It wouldn't work, because John no, Wayne no. wouldn't be able to pull it off. He wouldn't agree no. with it. He wouldn't no, agree, and, what uh, do you mean the Carol characters I played were bad people? <laughs> they were bad people. <laughs> John Wayne could not. I, I Look, uh, John Wayne was not as bad of an actor as, as, some, as some modern audiences no. might think. He was, no. w- within, his, within his lines, he was a very good actor. He had a range. Um, yeah, he had a range, and within that range, he was very good. I cannot imagine John Wayne playing the scene when Money has the fever and he's talking about seeing the angel of death mm-hmm. and and begging Ned not to tell his kids right. about the things. He, I cannot imagine John Wayne convincingly playing that scene. And, There's only one person yeah. I could see actually playing this part if we were to take it to classic Hollywood. Maybe Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, I can see that. Because Jimmy Stewart is... Jimmy Stewart, his only villain roles were when he was doing westerns, really. That's true, yeah. And he was and, great. And he was great. Gary Cooper? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he could pull off a character like this. I don't. And the other thing is, I don't think Hollywood's prepared to, to do a movie like this. No. Until this point, right? So, well, that's that, that's one of the other things about that makes it so it makes it such a great performance by Eastwood was uh, you you said like he he's he does a lot more than than he typically did in one of his older westerns. Mm-hmm. One of the th- one of the things he does is that he shows vulnerability. Yeah. Um, which and if we're talking about like classic Hollywood westerns, like you know the the heroes in classic westerns never showed vulnerability. No, you know they may maybe occasionally you would get the you would get the idea that they were a little conflicted about something. Mm-hmm. Like that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you never saw John Wayne expressing a genuine fear of death, mm-hmm. <laughs> like like Money does in this movie. So yeah, the only movie that the only other western that comes close to this. Is Shane. Yes, yes. Shane deals with some very similar... With the very same issues. And it has kind of the same ending. Yeah. Shane's motivations are a little bit more noble. He's trying to save the lives of people that he genuinely cares about. Eastwood is just revenge. Doesn't give a shit about his kids. Doesn't give a shit about anybody else. He's going to go in there and he's going to kill everybody. He's going to kill everyone responsible. And um, different motivations for the characters, but kind of the same themes. Mm -hmm. Violence only... You know, increases your problems, gives you something that you have to live with for the rest of your life. In some ways, William Money is Shane if Shane lived past the end of Shane. True, yeah. Where he has to continue on with the burden of knowing what he was. Because Shane was a former gunslinger, and that's what they kind of call William Money. Even Mm -hmm. though it sounds like he was a train robber, just a flat-out murderer. (laughs) Yeah, just a bad dude all around. Just a bad dude all around. So, recommend? Highest recommendation. Me too. Highest recommendation. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Just just watch it. It's everywhere. You'll find (laughs) it. It's on HBO Max. Pay money for it. Is it? I looked there. I didn't see it. That's where I watched it. Well, you know what? Maybe I didn't check there. (laughs) (laughs) I assumed it wouldn't be there because... Why would HBO Max be able to make me happy? Not recommend. Hurry up and not recommend so I can do mine because I hate mine so much. Oh boy! Well, my not recommendation. Of course, there's so many bad westerns. Mm-hmm. I I picked a bad western. Let, let me let me pitch this movie to you, Jason. See if this sounds like a movie you want to watch, especially okay. after. I and mean, you've probably seen it, but it, just in case you haven't, after okay. after Unforgiven, what if I were to tell you that there was a western starring William Shatner? No. 
in a dual role. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That was filmed in 1967 during a break between seasons of Star Trek. <laughs> I would say load that movie into my movie bag so I can watch it. <laughs> this movie is called White Comanche. <laughs> and it stars William Shatner in a dual role as Johnny. A cowboy who has to live with the fact that his identical twin brother, Nota, <laughs> is a white guy who mm -hmm. somehow got to be a Comanche leader <laughs> and is leading Comanches <laughs> in war parties to attack the white people. Oh, no. Help. Yeah. So it's Shatner versus Shatner. There's good guy, white guy Shatner, and there's mm -hmm. bad guy, also white guy Shatner, but lives with a Comanche. <laughs> Did someone sit down and go, how can we cut out the Indians from, like, a Western? <laughs> you think, it almost feels like an early attempt to make the, the depiction of, of Native Americans less problematic. Like, yeah. somebody, so, some well-meaning person said, well, they're starting to not like it when the white cowboys kill the Indians, so what if we make the Indian a white guy, too? And, so, and, and of course, it was the 60s, so they were like, mm -hmm. yep, sounds good to me. <laughs> you know? Let's just give all the parts to white guys. Um, well, who yeah, should so we it's... get? What acting powerhouse should yes. we get for this movie? Who could possibly play these two roles? What man, what, what god of a man could do this? I don't know. Bill Shatner? I think the guy from Star Trek is available. Spaceship Man? <laughs> Spaceship Man? The guy who made all those funny faces in that Twilight Zone? <laughs> Where he was on the airplane? All right. Uh, yeah, that's my not recommendation. And if you haven't seen it, um, it is a great movie to watch in a like so bad it's good kind of way. Like it's it's mm -hmm. a hilarious it's it's a hilariously bad fun movie to watch, but it is awful. So my not recommendation: White Comanche, starring William Shatner. The movie that I'm not gonna recommend isn't fun to not watch at all. Oh. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a film from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1992, and that was of the five. 500 and a year anniversary of what steve uh-oh i think i know where you're going with this it was the mm -hmm. five it was the 500th anniversary of columbus's voyage mm -hmm. oh boy and so a couple of movie companies decided <laughs> we're gonna make movies about that we're the, gonna the, make movies about that the best part of this i don't know which one you're gonna pick either it could one, be either one pick either one they're just it awful could be either one <laughs> okay they're both pieces of shit <laughs> but I'm going to go after the one that tried to completely wash the hands of Christopher Columbus of all the awful, disgusting things he did after he landed in the Americas. And I'm also going to do it because this person should constantly apologize for this whenever he meets people. <laughs> the movie was was by Ridley Scott. Oh, yeah, okay. And it's called 1492 Conquest... <laughs> Of paradise. And see, the, the whole thing is is that other bad people did the bad things. And Christopher Columbus only did the good things. Also, Christopher Columbus was going to prove that the earth was round. That was not a thing that he was trying to do. <laughs> Actually, his theory was, was that the earth was smaller, even though that was laughable. <laughs> <laughs> he was wrong about that. He was very wrong about that because he thought, if I sail that way, I'll get to India. And it'll be shorter than going the other way. And people went, you're stupid. But he managed to con some people into, into funding it. 
But this movie, he he's he's going to he's like we've all been brainwashed that the the world is flat, and it's like no one's done that. There's globes literally in every castle <laughs> in Europe. The Greeks figured this shit out two thousand <laughs> years ago. What are you talking about? But because if they had gone with his original plan, he'd be a dipshit, which he was. He died a dumb dipshit, still believing that the world was. He proved that the world was smaller. That he he discovered the Indies. <laughs> that should be on Columbus's tombstone. He died a dumb dipshit. The next thing you do is you hire a Frenchman to play an Italian man, and nah, you hire yeah. Gerard Depardieu, and you could barely understand half the thing he's saying. But I mean, there are such insulting scenes in this movie when they discover the indigenous pe- people of these islands, where everyone's happy, and if they just listened to Christopher Columbus, none of this would have happened. When the truth is, they listened to everything that he did, and it was awful. Yeah. How awful? He went to jail when he came back because, believe it or not, he was so awful that people in Europe were angry at him. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad he was. <laughs> Queen Isabella was like, you make me fucking sick. <laughs> you, we told you, don't hurt anybody. Don't hurt anybody. Convert them, but don't hurt anybody. It's like, right, hurt everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this movie is just basically more whitewashing, trying to convince people that Christopher Columbus was great. Everyone else was bad. It is completely and totally inaccurate, top to bottom, and it's awful. And it also, what was it? It was Gerard Depardieu, Armand de Sante, and Sigourney yes. Weaver. Yes. Right? As Queen Isabella. Don't see it. It's garbage. Don't see it. It's garbage. Don't see it. I don't think anyone will. I think everyone's forgotten. There were yeah. so many awful things that came out in 1992. What was the other one? It was. Well, the, the other Columbus, Columbus movie was. The uh, New uh, Discovery or. Voyage of Discovery. It was Voyage called of Columbus Discovery. Voyage of Discovery, which uh, the only thing I remember about that is that <laughs> just to show you that there was even as bad as 1492 was, it was definitely on the high side of the Christopher Columbus movies that came out. Oh, sure. Production year. value was oh, a little yeah. higher. Yeah. Because the other one, Christopher Columbus Voyage of Discovery, featured Tom Selleck yeah. as the king of Spain. I know. I know. <laughs> All oh, due respect Tom. to Tom Selleck. I love Magnum P.I., but mm. come on. you got you, you, We're making a Columbus movie. Who's going to play King Ferdinand? How about Tom Selleck? Yeah, that's what kings look like. Yeah. <sighs> you mean not inbred? <laughs> hey, Steve. Yes, Jason? You know what time it is. I think so. It's time for me to make a terrible choice. And what does that mean, Steve? Uh, that means that you have three movies that I don't know the titles of, mm-hmm. and I need to pick which one we're going to review next by just picking A, B, or C. That's right. Thank you for explaining it. I just didn't oh. feel like doing it. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy to help, you know. So I have picked three related movies thematically. Maybe it's the same director. Who knows? Maybe it's the same actor. That could be a possibility. Maybe we don't it's know. the same key grip in all three films. <gasps> Who knows? Ooh. But they are related. So, Steve, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I'm not going to get your hopes up. I'm going to just pick <laughs> A, B, or C. Well, you know what? It worked out good last time, so I'm going to stick with B. B. Okay. B. The They were all buddy cop movies. Oh, boy. So, had you chosen A, we would have reviewed Lethal Weapon. Oh, okay. 
Had you chosen C, we would have reviewed the satire of buddy cop films, or 80s films in general, Hot Fuzz. Oh, okay, yeah. But you chose B. I did. Arguably the next most famous buddy cop film. The next time, if you want to get all the jokes... Or understand why Jason's... I have never watched this movie. I had oh, wow. never any interest in it. I generally don't like buddy cop films at all. They didn't... Don't really like Lethal Weapon. Not even a little bit. <laughs> um, then you guys will watch Bad Boys. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Have you ever had any interest in watching that movie? Nope. <laughs> But I'm well, going to watch we'll, it now. Maybe we'll discover how much we love it. We'll be uh, like, wow. Maybe. That Martin Lawrence and, and Will Smith combo. No wonder people love it so much. It tastes so good. That'll probably happen. Do you think so? Nah. We'll see. So everybody's <laughs> going to get a big surprise next time we, we drop a podcast. Because everyone's going to be reacting to... Bad boys. And that's it. We're done. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Two Blowhards Bloviate about an old movie that, you know, of a genre that no one gives a shit about because superheroes have taken over everything. Um, for late seating, this is Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. You know, this movie reminds me of the time I met my high school girlfriend's dad for the first time. And he said, Steve, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a writer. And he said to me, a writer? Letters and such? That You went a long way for that joke. You traveled a long, I did. A long way. You, you went, a, you um, went the yeah. long way round to get to it. It was like, okay, I want to I, get this out. Letters and such? Because that's what you wanted, right? Because they do it twice, which is also yeah. the way they... Well, they, well yeah, because, yeah. Who are the two people that say it? Little Bill. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill, and, Bill William and, and, and William Money. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, letters and such. Letters He's and like, such. no dipshit books. <laughs> oh, I've heard of books. <laughs> is Little Bill a... Uh, is he a... Uh, is Little Bill a, um, illiterate? Or is he pretending know. to be to I, throw people off? I don't think so because he says he, I've been reading the book. Yeah, he read well, he reads from the book out loud in that one scene in the jail. I, I mean, um, I know he's doing Duck of Death on purpose. Right. Yeah. But it makes him sound stupid. Duck, I says. Duck, I says. I also says paschetti. <laughs> but instead of spaghetti, yes. Pischetti. I say it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I also say album. Album. <laughs> Photo <of> album. <laughs> instead of. <laughs> Instead of album? That's right. Album, I says. Okay. All right, great. Now I'm going to put on this album and make some biscotti. <laughs> Don't forget to invest in Oppenheimer funds. <laughs> and shop at the him. Home Depot. You leave him alone. He don't want to work no more, and I'm he's my favorite actor ever. I he's, see him in anything. He's deserved his rest. So. I, I agree with you. He's a genius, and he's God... He's, I don't know if he's ever if he was ever better than he is in this movie. So He has gifted us so many goddamn good performance, even in really shitty movies. So if he wants to just putter around the house and scare the shit out of his wife at the drop of a hat, because he can do it. Just a do you, change <laughs> Do you want to know? Do you want to know how... how I, I, we didn't mention this during the actual show, but I, since it came up and we're talking about how awesome Gene Hackman is, here's how awesome Gene Hackman is. Okay. Um, not just as an actor, but just as a person. He uh, almost didn't take the part of Little Bill because he didn't want to be in a movie that glorified gun violence. 
And, Clint, and then Clint Eastwood <laughs> scared him. No, no. Clint basically said, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's, if there's one thing this movie doesn't do, it is glorify gun violence. No. It <laughs> so, glorifies prostitution. Exactly. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.